Welcome to yet another episode of Historical and Mysterious. I am Ian. And I am Jay. <laughs> Hello, Jay. Hello. How was your week? My week was really good. Uh, so, uh, oh, well, yesterday, my best friend Chandel, and ladies and gentlemen, if you've listened to the show since the beginning, you know who she is. Special. Or should remember. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, special guest host. Yeah, oh, yeah. And my best friend. She took me out to lunch and shopping yesterday, which was a lot of fun. Where'd you guys Particularly eat? antiquing. Oh, shopping, very nice. Which I love. I mean, I can't. Oh, she knows <laughs> me so well. Shopping. She knows me so well. <laughs> um, no, we went to uh, Tapped. Oh, I loved. Oh, mm-hmm. wow. Yeah, yeah, which is this uh, nice restaurant in downtown Moscow in Idaho. They have a good selection of beer. <laughs> Good selection of beer. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, I actually had a beer. It was a uh, uh, a light beer. It was kind of one of those poppy berry ones, which oh, I don't generally I don't know go if for. I like that. <laughs> but it was good for the type yeah of beer for what it was. was. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it's that's fine. awesome. Did you it, get was it? Alcohol. it was alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. It's alcohol. So, what'd you get at antiquing? Uh, we went to the antique mall in Moscow. Gotcha. And There's a mall. Kinda. It's like basically a really large antique shop with like multiple rooms, like you know and. Gotcha stuff, but it's it's really cool. I uh, I got I got an ashtray. Very oh yeah, yeah. it's very fancy yes. by the way. Yeah. And I think you said you can see for, like for the bowl ash, not cigarette ash. People, just <laughs> calm down. <laughs> Smoke weed, so we need an ashtray. Um, oh, but it's, it's like a really cool like antique uh, silver shell ashtray. Yeah. It, it's cool. Anyway. And you can kind of see, like, from, like, the past people, like, putting out their cigars on it and everything, yeah, which like I think is pretty neat. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Did yeah, you did cool. you find out how old it was? or? No, 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 no. Oh, was, I wish they put this it. This is, like, <laughs> the kind of antique store it was is, like, I mean, I guess some items they have backgrounds on and stuff. Like, they're more expensive, pricier, and complete items. But yeah. stuff like that is kind of, like, it's, like... Just take it. <laughs> junk that's not broken. Like, old junk that's not broken. And somebody might think it's cool. That's yeah. a lot of what it is. But I oh, love yeah. it. So. Of course. And I found a use for it. So and whatever. I think it's very nice, yeah. Um, but anyway, all this about a fucking ashtray. <laughs> um, but we went, uh, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. And, oh, we, you and I, you're going to talk about this, but you and I yes. went to go see a movie. And we went week. to go see Annihilation with Natalie Portman. Natalie Portman. And she did, it was phenomenal. It was a mind fuck, really. It really was. I mean, I... And really, I could not get over the uh, the shining, the colorful sh- excuse me, alien sh- butthole <laughs> that, uh, that Jennifer Jason Lee turned into at the end. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Sorry, ladies yes. and gentlemen. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Jennifer Jason Lee disintegrates into to an, an alien, alien butthole. Butt. It's pretty... That Natalie Portman almost gets sucked into, and I mean that in literally. <sighs> Go watch the movie. <laughs> Go watch the movie. There's so much more if to that it. Isn't, like, if that doesn't tell you... If that doesn't that pique your interest... Up, if that doesn't pique your interest at all, that then Jennifer I don't know Jason what Jennifer Jason Lee turns into a butthole, and then Natalie Portman an is mesmerized butthole. by it. You need to go see this. Okay? <laughs> I think, yeah, I think that sums it up really well. I mean, that should just be the title of a movie, Alien Butthole, I think. <laughs> I think a lot more people would be drawn into it. <laughs> I 
mean, come on. I cannot have, out of all the people that have seen it since it came and is released, I cannot have been the only guy. And I like how, because like, the see, the, like that in the theater, like, like alien it, colorful it, butthole. It was like super silent and everything and this, this, the scene was going on and then you lean over and whisper to me like, that looks like a butthole. <laughs> and I was just like, and I was mesmerized at the time. I, also, I was like, oh, this is crazy. I want to know how many times that we can uh, literally stuff the word butthole into this Stop. conversation before we start the show. Well, <laughs> I almost want to like replay this episode and just count them. Oh, man. No, and then we put that to. in the description and we to. say we say butthole this many oh. times. Oh, we will. We will. <laughs> oh but, my gosh. Oh my god. Anything else uh, this week? Uh, no, just a lot of work and uh, yeah. A lot of time to chill out and take it easy. But uh, we had yeah. an interview this week. If you want to, yeah, ladies and gentlemen, we got our first interview on the podcast done uh, to show you this week or let you listen to. We're very excited yes. about it. Um, I will introduce it more formally when we get to that part. But to let you guys know, we're going to actually switch up the format of the show. Changing you know, if you up. listen to the uh, other episodes, you know uh, the title of the show is historical, mysterious. History is always first, and then mystery, mystery. goes. Well, we're going to switch it up because of the interview, and it's going to run a little long. Uh, you know, we're gonna do mystery first, and then yeah. we're gonna do the histor uh, the interview this for my historical history. topics. So, yeah. uh, if you your mystery this yes, week, so I why will don't you take it away? Take today? it away. So my history, th I mean, wow, my mystery this week. Yeah, it's mean, still slipping hey, me up. Conditions. Yes, right. <laughs> uh, so my mystery this week is uh, Brandon Swanson, the disappearance of Brandon Swanson, and so this was any relation to Nick Swanson, the comedian? No. Oh. <laughs> All the Swansons know each other, I guess. Uh, so this is a relatively new That's mystery, and it was about in 2008 that this happened. This took place. So, so the case, same year as the Casey Anthony case. Yeah, that is quite the connection. But yeah. Well, last podcast on the left, uh, I listened today to the first uh, episode of the Casey Anthony case mm -hmm. today, and it's like this two hour, and they went deep into like what happened and everything. I mean, I, I'm, I mean, I remember the case in two thousand eight, but I was eighteen and I in high really, school, yeah. and I. If you were eighteen, that was like probably like five. <laughs> He's staring at me really mean. I mean, I can see hellfire in his eyes. It's pretty. It's pretty bad. <laughs> so anyway, um, Jennifer Jason Lee turned into a puddle. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so going back to my mystery, this happened on May fourteenth of two thousand eight. Uh, Brandon was nineteen. He was living in Marshall, Minnesota. Uh, so he was uh, basically getting the pretext of this is he was. Last couple days of his college classes, he was studying to, uh, wind turbines. And so him and his friends decided to celebrate the end of classes and everything. So they went out. Uh, they hung out at their friend's house. Uh, and later that evening, around midnight, Brendan was on his way back home to see his mom and dad, where, which where he lived. And he accidentally wrecked his car by driving into a ditch and getting stuck. And so he first called his friends. No one answered. Uh, he then called his parents, Brian and Annette. And he told them everything was fine. I'm good. I just, the crap, I, I kind of like told, I can't get the car out. It's stuck in this ditch. So they were just basically like, all right, tell us where you are. We'll go find you. Uh, he told them he was near town, uh, the town, he was near the town of Lind, which is a, a short commute close to his town of Marshall. And he remained on this, on the phone with his father. I'm sorry, what state is this again? Minnesota. Minnesota. Okay. Yeah. 
And so he was he remained on the phone with his father the entire time. Uh, so Brandon's parents w- went to his location, and Brandon said that uh, where he was at, and they started to flash their lights, and Brandon saw nothing. And so they became really frustrated because I was like, this is the location you told us. And Brandon was getting frustrated too. Uh, Brandon was just like, fuck it, I will walk. I will walk to the town of Lind where uh, his buddy lived. And it was close by, as he said, because he said he saw the lights of the town. Now, keep, keep that in mind. He saw lights in the town of a town. And so he started walking toward it. So still on the phone with his dad, suddenly Brandon yelled, oh, shit. And then the call ended at 2.10 a.m. And that's uh-huh. the last thing. That's the last thing anyone ever heard or seen of Brandon. Wow. So his parents started to search the area for area frantically. They kept calling him back, no answer. Uh, and he ended up record, reporting the case at six thirty a.m. This, and then so the police. I uh, will get, get into this later down the road. The police at first were like, "Well, he's nineteen. This happens a lot of the times where kids just kind of go off on their own." I guess. I mean, the pretext of saying, oh, shit, and then losing the call is a little bit like, maybe we should hurry. But they decided to wait a little bit. Uh, so a couple facts about the case. Brandon was taking back roads for this trip back home, which is a little odd. Mm. Uh, instead of the main ones that you would usually take, that would probably be a little bit quicker. Traffic? It was it was in the morning, like two, oh. one, in, one in the morning. Oh, yeah. Okay. So uh, his friend – well, and to be fair, though, I have a tendency to – take back roads as well. I remember at an old job, I would get off at like two in the, well, I get off at like 12 in, at midnight and I would take the back roads just so I could speed. I mean, cops were always, could be there too, but there's less likely. So I always take the back roads to like get home as fast as I can, I guess. Yeah. So I did that as well. Uh, his friend stated that he had one beer and he left sober. Brandon was not known to be a, a drinker type. And a lot of people were stating that like, oh, he was drunk, he was disoriented, he crashed his car. But people seem to forget that he talked to his father the entire time, and his father had no indication that he had any sort of – he was drunk, but he was clear, you know? He wasn't slurring his words. He wasn't disoriented. Uh, so they were just like, this is weird. So the police ended up tracing the uh, cell phone records uh, – sorry. Uh, tra- uh, tracing cell phone records and found the vehicle. It wasn't remotely close to the town of Lind. Oh, really? Not at all, as it was 20 miles away. Police didn't know what the lights Brandon referred to was, because there's no lights around. It was just farmland. Hey. Huh? This is historical mysterious. What is it? What? Aliens. (laughs) You were so fucking confused. I was. I was was like, like, how many... I said almost every episode we mentioned aliens. Almost every episode. Almost. But, uh, so... The only evidence that was pretty much discovered was a scent that was eventually lost around a river type area, around that area where he got lost. So that was pretty much the case. Like, there's not, they, they didn't find any evidence of foul play. They searched the vehicle in depth, like nothing. So people are wondering what the hell happened. We don't, like, uh, there's. Well, maybe the oh shit was like there was foul play, but not at that scene because they took him. So there wasn't foul play there. See, yeah, but... They took him and did it elsewhere. Of course, but I feel like there'd be some... I mean, it could be that because he was away from the car. They could have snagged his phone right away. A big theory that a a lot of people are going with is Brandon fell into the river. And because the the river was at Rapid at that time period, and it was deep. But my thing about that is I would feel like Rapids, you would hear, right? 
rapid generally. rapid run, rapid running water i feel like you would hear that around it so and then also when he's on the phone you know i feel like his dad would hear some sort of splash something of some sort you know and so uh they were they never found his body at all and mm-hmm. so he was eventually like another theory that he had is that he may have dropped his phone maybe could fell into the water but was able to get out and eventually passed out of hypothermia in the farmland and was run over by a tractor of some sort or other sort of like farm tools that just like killed him. And then the farmer maybe hid the body. That's a popular one too because there is a couple of farmers that refused uh, property searches yeah. by the animals. Ah, so okay. that was another theory that people mm-hmm. have that maybe a farmer fucked up, ran over Brandon, and, uh, and yeah, decided to hide the body. But or bury the body something, and then when the dogs came, they said, "No, you can't search our property." So uh, another one is the theory of abduction. But I feel like you would have to see someone coming. He was on the phone the entire time. They would have yeah. to be stealthy as fuck if he didn't, you know. And he was, and he would say something. But if he was like, so they would have paying to, attention. They to would the phone. They would he heard rapids. They were coming up behind him. Yeah, they would have it. to be sneaky as fuck. Like, oh, hey. There's I mean, this... I'm sneaky as fuck. I'm sure I can. They would have it. to grab the phone from him right quick, hang up, and then go take I'm, him. That, that's all, that, all of that is possible. It's possible, but all the other reasons are possible just as well. True. So. Touche. Uh, <laughs> and I do believe, like, I don't know. I feel like there'd be something left behind because they searched everything really in depth. And uh, it didn't seem like there was another scent that was picked up. So his, par- his Brandon's case... Uh, eventually just kind of stopped. Like, his parents became advocates about quicker police response. Because of that, we have Brandon's Law that was created that states authorities immediately conduct an investigation without delay when receiving a, a missing persons report. The cops in Brandon's case waited a little bit and claimed it was common for 19-year-olds to disappear momentarily only to come back to the house later down the road. So a lot of people are stating that maybe if you they search a little more quicker. Yeah, but that's quite a process to go through before you're technically even disappeared. Like something happened, something's up. Oh yeah, something's up big time. But they could have maybe found something a little bit quicker. Something I don't know. But I mean, I think it's a good lot of pass. I really do because I do believe Mm -hmm. some of those precious seconds of someone going missing. Oh yeah, is something that the police need to act on. You know, definitely. And so. Yeah, my I guess my my thing about it is I don't know what it is. It it's what kills me is the lights that he saw. Yeah, and that, he th- and not just like and I think you would be able to tell if your vision is twenty twenty or, or normal or right. whatever, you, or un un uh, impeded, mm-hmm. uh, that you would be able to tell the difference between vehicle lights and town lights. Exactly, or and he light, said town like, lights. So there's multiple. Lights, like he's very. Yeah, and but also like think about it. Really, honestly, if you're drive when you're driving at night and you're outside of a town, but you're close to it, like don't those lights just look actually different? Yeah. Than car the car lights coming at you exactly from you. Oh yeah. Not just because they're close, but like there's I mean there's multiple. I just feel like there's different colors. It's kind of dot. It's like a peppering of lights when it's a town. And he said it was like a town. Yeah. And so that's what everyone was very like confused about. There's other people that were saying that he was drunk. Maybe his friends were lying because uh, they don't want to, like, he was 19 or something. I feel like if my friend went missing at 19, I would say Yeah, everything. I wouldn't give a fuck about that. I wouldn't that. be like, I'd be like I, yes, 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 he was drinking. Officer, we were using right? drugs, and it was this. Because you know. there's people out there that argue that he was taking back roads. He did crash into a ditch, which was odd, but that happens. 
But a lot of people are saying that he was taking backwards because he was drinking too much. But then he was on the phone with his dad, and then people make the argument against that, the counter-argument that people can sound sober on the phone. But then there's a there's a thing about being disoriented and not knowing things. And you mm-hmm. would know. The dad would have picked up on something. Yeah. So, yeah. So this is a... A case that I don't think will ever be solved. His body was never found. No, no remains. What if it's just, since there is no body, what if this was just a really elaborate plan of the boys to just run the fuck away? Maybe. I mean, that happens. I guess. But, uh, I mean, from what I, from my research, he seemed like a very happy kid. He was in school. He was, had a bunch of good friends, a family that loved him, that was able to pick up the phone at 2 a.m. Yeah, so do a lot of people. Of course, yeah. but... I, I just, I feel like I, I can totally see If it. I'm gonna, Wait. if I'm gonna ditch town, I'm gonna bring my fucking car. I'm not Dude, gonna just walk into the true. wild. <laughs> that's very true. That's very true. So, good that's... Point. Yeah. So, uh... He left his car. Did he Did he have any other assets that he could have taken with him? Mm-mm. I mean, he was leaving him just his, his friend's house. So just imagine you leaving your friend's house. You had your cell phone, maybe a car. You crash your car. So maybe he didn't run away. And then but... your cell phone gets busted. Some, And then you never found the cell phone. So. They weren't able to track it or anything? Mm-mm. No. Okay. They were able to track where he last called from the cell, like, this, like cell phone location. I don't know. It's, it's Technology's weird. But they were able to find the car through cell phone, like, from where he made the first mm-hmm. call, initial call. But after that, nothing. Huh. So, I mean, a lot of people will say it's the river. Oh, that's, what a, that's what the consensus is, but I just, it's so, like, I don't know. But wouldn't a body have turned up? Exactly. A body would have Even turned up. Even if it was the next county, because it was and the, the funny, river. And the funny thing is they, they used, like, a dummy, like, of Brandon's size. And, of course, this isn't going to be foolproof. Yeah. But they used Brandon's size, same size, same Wait, weight, okay. and they threw it into the, the river where it was about running about the same way as it did that night. And after the river was swept away, they still were able to find the dummy. Yeah. So... And again, I would have. I think that Brandon would have heard some rapids, and he he also maybe if, mm-hmm. if he didn't, his father would have heard something like some sort of splash before he fell into the water. Yeah, and my thing is, is that if it is the river, it's more likely a body would have popped up, right? Not less likely because if it's on dry or land, at least a couple parts, the body's just going to stay there until it's either discovered or until it's gone or and just a skeleton. Yep, or maybe it's one of those fucking farmers. <laughs> Or maybe it's that like, ran yeah. that ran over him when he oh, passed out. How come they couldn't force a, a get a search warrant? Because I mean, you need you need a lot more cause in order to. But like, what if it's one of those crazy serial killer people and there is no cause? I know, except that they're fucking crazy serial. Well, killer no, people. it was like they need more like evidence. In no, order but that's to what I'm saying is like, what if that is what happened? Yeah. Oh, it could be. I mean. And we'll never know. And, but there were a couple uh, farmers that denied it. I, I think they didn't want them running around their crops. Of course they denied it. Or no, 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 no. They denied people coming to their land and searching. Yeah, well. So, uh, and I think that's a big reason. It could be just because crops, they don't want the crops. But then I just, I don't know. If there's a kid missing in your town, I would be like, yeah, search my Fuck property. crops. Yeah, I would mean, search my property. It's fine. But they didn't. And we'll <sighs> never know. And I wow. think that's the mysterious case of uh, Brandon Swanson. Sorry. I, I like your beads. Oh, thank you. Yes, I got these also. <laughs> We're in New Sorry. Orleans recording. Yes. <laughs> I'm wearing, yes, and those hit the table. Sorry. Um, well, that was awesome. Yeah, that was thank really you. Cool. It's a it's definitely an interesting case that happened somewhat recently. And I also I also have another, like, it's, it's a small thing. But you remember my old mystery? Day Out Love Pass mystery with those yes, hikers. Yes, with the tents and the hikers. Someone yeah. just recently went missing, too. At the same Day Out Love Pass? Yep. <gasps> same. But he was a solo hiker. 
I'm, that's why I'm not I mean, this but a that's kind of stupid, though. Yes, but he, he was experienced, but he was solo. He last thing that they, they found of him if was... If you're experienced, then you should know not to hike alone. <laughs> right. Uh, but they found a note that basically said everything's going fine, and then he then now he's uh-huh. disappeared. Yeah, that... Yeah, see, okay, that's the problem. You don't send notes home saying you're doing fine. You just do fine, okay? <laughs> that, that's like, no. you know Scream where he's yeah. like, you don't ever say you'll be right back because you won't <laughs> be back. Same thing. Don't send letters saying that no, you're he didn't, fine he didn't because send, you're not fine. He didn't send it. It was in his journal or some shit. Don't, don't then... write it. Don't do it. <laughs> don't, don't even think about don't it. Put it. Don't even writing. think about no, it. No, you can think it. It's fine. Don't put that shit in writing. <laughs> don't put that into the universe. Because so... the universe will be like, oh, fuck this guy oh. in particular. Oh, 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 oh you ballsy. You think you're doing fine alone <laughs> on a mountain in the snow? Where people there disappeared before? Hello, Yeti. Come on in. Possibly. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't exactly taking it there. Right, no. But, but I just mean, like, if there's an avalanche, you're fucked. I mean, course. if you're a group of people and there's a huge avalanche, you're probably fucked anyway. Oh, you but I mean, know. like, if you're one person, like, you're, like, I don't know, just I imagine. And you're alone in that situation? Yeah. No, thank you. So a little update on the Diatlev Pass. It's well, there. that's cool. Yeah. Kind of two mysteries in one. Right, you kind of. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Well, awesome. And also, that is an awesome mystery to bring us into March. Yeah. Yeah. New month. Oh, yeah. New month. New but, month. But uh, after you bring us into March, I am going to drag us for one last half of a show back into February. Uh, this is something that I was trying to organize during February in honor of Black History Month. Wasn't able to, but I did manage to snag the interview yes. uh, close enough to that I definitely still think it warrants presenting. And uh, the last... Uh, Black History Month topic that I will that we will be presenting at least for February for this year yeah. uh, is the topic of Coretta Scott King, and the reason I wanted to uh, focus on her was for two reasons. Uh, number one, she, not only was she a powerful activist in her own right, and I thought that there should have been a focus on her, uh, you know, in history classes and in general society, you know, just outside of her husband. Because yeah. generally she's just known as... His Mark, wife. You know, Junior's better half. Yeah. And, you know, that's I don't think that's necessarily fair to her. Absolutely. And also because she was a huge advocate for LGBT rights. And I recently learned that, did not know that. And I thought that was very striking. And I had some questions about that. And so I decided I would try to get an interview, and I did, with a Dr. Kyla Sori, who I will introduce formally, uh, which you will hear in the interview. But uh, yeah, here it is, and I hope you guys like it. Enjoy. Yeah. Dr. Story? Yes, hi. This is Dr. Story. Is this Ian? Yeah. Hi. Nice to talk hi, to you. Thank you, you so much for talking with us. Hi, Dr. Oh, Story. Yes, of course. <laughs> this is Jay. Hi, this is Jay. Sorry. <laughs> uh, hi, Jay. How you doing? Good. How are you? Good. Well, uh, like I said, thank you so much for taking time to talk to us today. Uh, the interview is only going to be about half an hour. Uh, you're also our first interview on the podcast, so we're both a little nervous. Very and nervous excited. and excited. Oh, yeah. 
Um, but just to give our audience a little uh, introduction on you and who we're talking to, uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is uh, Dr. Kyla Story. She's a professor of women's and gender studies with a joint appointment in the Department of Pan-African Studies at the University of Louisville in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, she also holds the school's Audre Lorde Chair in Race, Class, Gender, and Sexuality Studies, which was first established in 2005, uh, and in both the Science and Art Departments. Uh, and, but the reason, all that is really impressive, but the reason I know who she is at first, and I imagine a lot of other people, is because she is the co-host of one of my favorite podcasts called Strange Fruit. Uh, which, of course, I assume, correct me if I'm wrong, but is a Billie Holiday reference. Am I right? Yes, yes, yes it is. It serves as a kind of um, double entendre. It's to, one, pay homage to the Billie Holiday song that she really uh, makes famous around um, the precarity that black Southern folks uh, feel um, in terms of being policed and scrutinized because of race. But we use it as a, a double entendre in the sense that it also represents us who are Right, strange because we're black, but also strange in the South because we're queer, so mm -hmm. fruity, gay, that kind of thing. Yeah, so that's... The, uh, yeah, yeah and also in the lyrics, there's uh, blood on the roots and blood on the leaves, so I thought that was very, you know, it's a very powerful yeah. song when you listen to it. Yeah, because she's really hinting at the, the history of lynching mm -hmm. and, um, you know, in the United States, particularly in the South, right? Once enslavement ends and lynching ensues as a kind of long-standing legacy um you know for african americans of course so we, and it's interesting because a lot of folks when it comes to the, the title of the show a lot of folks um you know i don't know if they assume the podcast that we don't know that song or we don't know holiday or <laughs> that we just kind of name the show in some kind of vacuum but they're like uh you know i'm interested as to why y'all named y'all show this and and so over the years that we've had the podcast people will kind of, you know, well, why did y'all name y'all show this? And then we're yeah. telling them that it's homage to Billy Holiday and the position of black people in the South, you know, historically and contemporaneously, as well as queerness and how that's seen as strange and, and, and fruity as well. And so then people will be like, oh, well, I'm not <laughs> sure. You know what I mean? But yeah, yeah. Home, yeah. Right? It's like, who would name the, uh, their whole podcast something that they didn't understand? Amazing. Yeah, no, it's there's definitely a lot of thought into it. And when you listen to the show, I highly recommend listening to the show. Oh, it's yeah. a very good podcast. It's about all things black and gay, and I just love it. Um, and oh, thank you. <laughs> oh, of course. Thank you. You and Jason, the other co-host, is Jason Gardner. Uh, you both are hilarious yes. together on it. I love it. I love your rapport that you have with each other. Um, oh, also, thank you so much. of course, of course. And you both quote all the time one of my favorite documentaries, Paris is Burning. Uh, I yeah. I love that documentary. <laughs> I love it so much too, and it has the best lines, doesn't it? Oh, it does, it does. Oh, you want to talk about reading? Let's talk right, about let's reading. Talk about <laughs> <laughs> yes. I love it. The hippies, the hippies had families. You know what? What is a family? A group of human beings mm -hmm. in a mutual bond. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. Exactly. It's, it's so wonderful. I love. I love it so much. In fact, I'm actually screening it in my class next week. Oh, I'm nice. So I'm going to try my hardest not to say all the lines. <laughs> right. No, I would do the same. I'm the same way. I have to keep my hand over my mouth. I, I almost ruin movies when I show them to my friends. <laughs> um, well, anyway, um, that was awesome. But uh, introduce our topic and the interview. The to uh, so for the past uh, 
couple of episodes. We've really been focusing uh, the later part of this uh, month. Well, technically this is March 1st, but last month, February, since it's Black History Month, on different historical figures in Black history. You know, we covered Nat Turner, Robert Smalls. Uh, I also covered, you know, uh, a series of murders of women of color that, you know, got kind of pushed under the rug of history because nobody cared because they were women of color. And I just wanted, wanted to bring these unknown figures or in general public unknown figures in, into light. Um, but one subject that was really on my list for a long time was Coretta Scott King, uh, which of course was the wife of Martin Luther King Jr. Um, and she was very amazing. But one of my questions was is, you know, with my researching her, she did a lot of work uh, in and of her own right. And she did a lot of activism in a lot of areas that was outside of just civil rights, specifically for the African-American community, for uh, her efforts against apartheid in the 80s, the LGBT community, well after her husband's assassination. But why is that kind of glossed over, do you think? Um, I, I know. I mean, Coretta is, and, and, you know, it was, you know, an amazing woman, leader, activist, in her own right, uh, but I think that, you know, due to sexism and mm -hmm. I think misogyny, you know, folks see her as, you know, oh, well, that's Martin's wife. I mean, similar yeah. to, you know, Betty Shabazz, who was Malcolm X's wife, um, Betty Shabazz was, you know, extraordinary as well, and then people just kind of see them as these wives um, in, in the background yeah. and supporting um, their husbands, but you're absolutely right, I mean, Coretta, one, I mean, was an activist, and I mean, she never kind of outwardly said, you know, I believe in socialist democracy, but I mean, the, she's married to a man who was a socialist and uh, believed in a socialist democratic type of society where poor people weren't exploited, black poor people weren't exploited, white poor people weren't exploited. Um, he felt like capitalism was the root of all these things, and that's even mm -hmm. glossed over in terms of King's own legacy, but you know, Coretta, you know, once King is assassinated, right, so while King's alive, she's supporting him. She's holding all these kinds of freedom concerts uh, for King's organization, the Southern Christian yeah. Conference, you know, right? Uh, but after his death in 1968, after he's assassinated, she kind of creates the King Institute. She's really active in establishing King Day as a holiday. She advocates and fights for the ending of apartheid. I mean, she gets arrested in 1985 for advocating uh, to end apartheid in South Africa. Um, she basically earns, I, I feel like it's like 60 to like some maybe 70 honorary doctorates from universities. She writes three books. Um, mm -hmm. And she also is a huge, huge LGBT advocate. I mean, in fact, um, you know, when Coretta is was trying, when she was working on um, the anniversary for the March on Washington, right? So it was the 20th anniversary, and so civil rights leaders, you know, they kind of were helping her decide who was going to be a part of the lineup, and Coretta was adamant about adding Audre Lorde, who mm -hmm. was a black lesbian writer, poet, activist. Mm -hmm. Very prolific herself, yes. Yeah, exactly, and, and the fact that you know, you have this, um, and you know, for all intents and purposes, people will see her as like this kind of mother of civil rights and because mm -hmm. of her position as a, a wife and a mother. But for real, for real, I mean, she was an activist in and of herself. I mean, separate from King. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, we're going to have Algie Lord speak and we're going to talk about uh, how um, 
civil rights and injustice when it comes to racial inequality is similar to the ways in which homophobia, trans, and those things function as well. I mean, in the 1990s. Yeah. Yeah, and she said that too. She she made that yeah. statement in speeches. And I also sorry to cut you off, but uh, no, 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 go ahead. I also know that uh, I well I read about in the limited research that I did do that a very close person to her, Winston Johnson, came out to her early on. Do you think that kind of it was one of those situations where oh someone I actually know and care about in my life kind of helped her, or was she always kind of had that view from the very beginning? I mean, I do. I think that, you know, personal meeting someone who is different from oneself and already having a kindredness and a closeness and connection to that person, I do. I think that that provides a lot of clarity around um, those types of things. So I think that that uh, probably moved this idea out of her head that somehow LGBT issues were so far removed from black issues. I mean, because yeah. when 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 folks think that they that erases black LGBT folk, that's one, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, you know, two, you know, because it makes this presumption that, well, queer justice or LGBT justice is about white, gays, and lesbians, and that's not true, right? Mm -hmm. So there's all sorts of queer folks who are people of color as well, and I think that also Rustin too. I mean, Rustin who is not out at the time that he's working with King. Yeah. Uh, but again, I mean, I assume, again, when, when you're talking about an activist community during this time period, they're at each other's houses, they're eating dinner with one another, they're deciding and making plans and strategies, and Rustin is there, and King knew Rustin was gay, and Ralph Abernathy, all of them did. Um, and they all made this kind of mutual decision, like, mm, let's just keep that on the hush-hush, because these folks, you know, particularly the federal government, CIA, they're going to try to use these types of things against us. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. and Rustin himself was complicit in that, and I just think that that was something that was apart from the times. I think that if Rustin was now strategizing and doing these things, I don't, I don't think that he would have agreed to that, nor do I think King would have either. Um, but I just think that during that time, um, you know, threats of arrest and outing and all these kinds of things were used as such strict weapons. Mm -hmm. um, in ways that they aren't used in those ways now. So I do. I think that her meeting gay men who were committed to, you know, black struggles, you know, gay personal struggles, and also, like, you know, advocating for a just and better world and society, I think that yeah. certainly had a lot to do with her, you know, seeing humanity in gay people when a lot of civil rights leaders at the time just didn't, right, didn't see the struggles as similar, didn't see, you know, uh, I mean, she's working with um, gay folk and HIV AIDS in the 80s when mm -hmm. they're still calling it gay cancer. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, um, definitely. And also, why uh, I've noticed, not just like through my research, but in my own personal experience as a gay man, that there seems to be a specific chasm that it is of its own flavor in the straight black community other than other communities that have homophobia in them, of course, uh, that seems to be more intense in some ways between straight uh, black people and gay people or LGBT people. And uh, I wonder if you would agree with that, and if so, uh, why or how that originated? And if not, then why? That homophobia is a, is a tense issue within black communities? Yes, also. yes. I mean, I don't think that it is... Um, this is what I think. I, I think that the media... Uh, mainstream media, if you will, has a particular investment on creating um, 
these types of binaries when it comes to black LGBT folk, white LGBT folk. So mm. every time you get news or media that's around black and gay identity, it's oftentimes about the father that kills his son. Cause I'd rather mm, have his son. Yeah, yeah. It's it's the it's the negative homophobic transphobic black preacher that's on the pulpit talking about I don't allow this in my church. Right? Yeah, and that's also that's also a common. Uh, uh, archetype character in tv and movies and very much so yeah. it's kind of you know shady homophobic you know black preacher so that is that's a trope and i do think that again i, I don't think that somehow these experiences don't happen with white gays and lesbians i think that they're rejected from families i think that they mm-hmm. they uh experience homophobia and transphobia they experience racist homelessness in their youth yeah. similar to black lgbt folk right so I, I think that we live in a country that is homophobic and transphobic i don't think that african americans are more so but i definitely mm-hmm. think the media wants us to believe that they are because the only examples we see of black and gay identity are usually these awful pejorative horrific stories and at the same time we have oh this white son comes out to his mom and look how she responds right (laughs) yeah 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 oh isn't it so sweet yeah to drive home this Uh message that Uh you know white folks are more welcoming when it comes to queer I, you know, identity, trans identity, and I'm like, well, have you met any of my students? Because I have a yeah. of students, and they've had immense trauma, and you know, yeah. they have treme- you know, tremendous amounts of of triggers and trauma uh-huh. around their families, especially in the South, and this this stronghold that religion has, and then families using religion as a weapon and i just oh definitely definitely especially in the south i do that with my black students and white students so Mm -hmm. yeah i I just think that you know what happens is the media tends to kind of really put out those images more so that are negative around you know even latinx communities so people of color Mm -hmm. in general whether it's Latinx, black folk, right, it's always going to be negative, right? You're either going against a cultural tradition or a religious one. And with white folk, it's like, oh, all white families except gay kids and trans kids. And it's like, that's just not true. Yeah, no, that's not true at all. And now that you say that, like, to look back, you know, that is definitely something that was portrayed in the media super heavy since I was, for as long as I can remember, in the early 90s. Mm -hmm. I mean, very. it was even worse then. And But in my real-life experiences... Uh, you know, later on after that and outside of some rare experiences here and there, the worst uh, of my experiences regarding homophobia were all from straight white men, especially in the South. So I think it's just kind of widespread throughout every demographic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and the, you know, and again, it, I don't think that there is, um, you know, no community when it comes to that of race is better or worse or more uh, violent or brutal. I think that we mm-hmm. live in a nation. We live in a nation still that is brutal to trans folks and gender non-binary. Oh, very much so. And 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 I feel like that's just across the board. So I do. I don't think that it's worse or better when it comes to people of color. I just think that a lot of the examples we visually see and a lot of the representation doesn't reflect the ubiquitous nature of homophobia and transphobia because they want you to believe that, oh, it only exists over there. So just avoid them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right? And it it is, you know, yeah. Mm -hmm, Exactly. And that also kind of reminds me of how kind of out of sight, out of mind, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's not important anymore. 
Mm-hmm. And on top of that, you know, that also, uh, to compound on top of that, it reminds me of, you know, nowadays we see what uh, African-American community goes through with police officers and just the general white public because it's recorded. We have phones now. Yeah. So this thing has always happened. It hasn't increased. It's just now it's put in front of our faces. Exactly. Very true. Very true. Everything is in real time. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I mean, because that's what, you know... Um, you know, when you think about uh, Black Lives Matter, you think about uh, police um, and these, you know, video cameras and, you know, body cams, you're like, dang, it just seems like, you know, every day there's this brutality with black people and the police. And, you know, when did this start? When did this, you know, and then if you think back like, oh, okay, well, the Black Panther Party, right, which is created in Oakland, Mm -hmm. is basically created out of this, you know, trying to create visibility and activism around police brutality. Yeah. So that's the impetus and the reason why they start organizing, but because of social media, because we see everything in real time now, like somebody gets cussed out in Target, we're going to see it this yeah. evening, right? Oh, so, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, and it's going to go viral, and it's going to be funny, or it's going to be awful. And, yeah, so these things have always been present. We just get more uh, visual representation of it. Because exactly. of social media, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so my next question is, uh, who do you think today is not sufficiently recognized for their activism the way Coretta was and continues to be? Hmm. Um, I mean, I do think that, Lord, I think that a lot of minded, you know, politically minded and civically engaged folks know who Lord is. But I just, I just don't think enough people know about Audre Lord. I don't think they know enough about her work and her writing agreed and, yeah um, she was a very you know, prolific writer and yeah, a good poet i mean she's yeah an extraordinary poet and activist i mean e- even though she is not the one to formalize the ideas of intersectionality i mean she certainly writes in that way so lord i mean especially i just think that um a lot of folks need to know her the way that everyone knows Rosa Parks in that sense, right? Absolutely. So, yeah. Kind of like, you know, a lot of folks are aware and familiar with uh, Rosa Parks, right? Mm, yeah. They should be. I mean, she was an extraordinary activist and, and all of this, you know, kind of stuff. But I also want them to be aware of folks like Audre Lorde. I also want Absolutely. them to be aware of folks like uh, Claudette Colvin, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Right, who's this, uh, you know, again, who was the, the pregnant black teenager who refuses to give up her seat on the bus before yeah. Rosa. Right, yeah. so Absolutely. I want folks to get into Claudette Cove, and I want, um, you know, just folks to kind of, you know, not, um, or even do more research on the ones you might know. I think that a lot of folks are familiar with Ida B. Wells, for instance, but don't necessarily mm-hmm. know you know that she was a journalist and an anti-lynching crusader and that she again was writing in this intersectional way around the practice of lynching and race and and those types of things i think people need to know more about Polly murray right who mm-hmm. is a, a revolutionary um in her own right you know and who was an activist and um civil rights activist uh, lawyer author uh, Murray was extraordinary. I mean, so those some of the, you know those folks, and again, you know, she was a kind of black and queer feminist trailblazer. Yeah, uh, Murray was. That's at, awesome. At yeah. When, yeah, at a time when people weren't you know uh, out and and proud about those things. So those kinds of figures, like a bunch of like I'm glad like films like Hidden Figures, those types of things mm-hmm. like 
you know, we got extraordinary people around us that we have no idea existed. Yeah, that's, I was mentioning that. Uh, last episode with my topic, I was talking about how, at least in my personal education growing up in the public school system, uh, you know, every February, what's the main focus of topic in school? You get Martin Luther King Jr., uh, a little bit of Malcolm X, Rosa Parks, Harriet Tubman, that's it. That's all you get. Yeah. And I just, you know, doing research on the past few episodes on this podcast alone has opened there's, both our eyes to, like, yeah. there's so many. So much more you know? out there. And it's not, you know, as far back as the early 1800s, you know, working very hard and really furthering themselves. And it's just, you know, I think it's shameful that the public school system kind of just... Oh, well, whatever, yeah. kind of that. Because my question when I'm learning, doing this research is, how do we not know? How do we, how do we graze over it? Yeah. How do we... mm-hmm. And why is no one, why is no one, you know, wanting to teach it? And I don't even think that, and this is the thing when it comes to school boards, when it comes to uh, PTAs, when it comes to the state of, um, you know, where public schools are located in the state and how the curriculum gets decided, right? So... Mm-hmm. You know, the teachers, I do, you know, I, I have hope and, and belief that there are some teachers who would like to teach more than just those figures year after year, yeah. decade after decade, right? But they have a set curriculum. There's no creativity allowed on their oh. part. I mean, mm. when they when they can make, um, they, they're able to do their bulletin boards or mm. they're able to do those types of creative things, but their curriculum is set by that state and depending on what state you're living in it's going to be way 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 conservative or maybe a little mm-hmm. bit more creative and liberal right yeah and so they, they they absolutely have no say so in how they teach their students and what they teach their students um these decisions mm. are made by people who used to be teachers 20 years ago oh yeah. and and you know the information is different now than then mm-hmm. yep yes exactly exactly and they don't they don't want to update it. They want to use like these mm. kind of safe staple, you know, and that's essentially how they do Women's History Month in public school, Black History Month is this, you know, let's talk about these set figures. Yep. And that's all we're going to mention. <laughs> and we're only going to mention certain aspects. Because even when yeah. they teach you King, they teach you this real sanitized version of King. They don't, they don't teach you, uh, you know Martin Luther King, who was about social d- democracy, who was about poor people, who was, you know, working and had just started his poor people campaign when he got assassinated. I mean, yeah, you know, he was very revolutionary in a vision. But everyone's like, no, he was talking about I have a dream, and it's like, uh, yeah, one, <laughs> yeah, and I don't, and I don't, speech. you don't have to say one, exactly, and I don't mean to, you like, know, letter from a Birmingham jail, get into it, yeah, <laughs> exactly. I mean, he goes off, yes. Yeah, and I, I don't I don't mean to like tarnish uh, uh, Dr. King in any way, uh, but you know I, I was in my twenties before I found out that he had an affair. You know, and I we watched a movie where uh, Angela Bassett played uh, Coretta Scott King, and that's where that watching that movie I, I had to Google that, and be like, is that true? And, <laughs> you know, and it's just you oh, don't yeah, learn anything they about. They, want, they pre- present him as some kind of divine. They present him uh-huh. like he's some kind of uh, cool. Jesus Christ. Yeah, or, exactly. This, like this omnipotent right. being that could do no wrong. And that was not him at all. I mean, he smoked cigarettes. Uh huh. He was a notorious philanderer, not just I had one affair. He had multiple affairs, women all over the nation. I mean, people forget that when King is, and this is not to excuse, you know, because, again, him and Coretta having a, you know, a monogamous relationship, and he was, you know, cheating. But um, 
when King is assassinated, he is a young man. When he becomes, when he's put in the the bedrock essentially of civil rights, right? I mean, he's, I mean, he's young. I mean, he's mm. he's really really young because mm-hmm. I think. I think he's 38 when he's assassinated. So I, I, I feel like... Oh, that's wow. so young, too. Absolutely. You know, my age. And so then I think when he's, you know, he's born, you know, um, in 1929. And then, you know, by the time he's... I mean, he's getting the, the Nobel Peace Prize in 1964. I mean, he was just a really, really young man. And really at the beginning of his, you know, kind of dating life and, and all that kind of stuff. I mean, not to excuse it, but I also don't think that he knew what to do with the attention. I mean, here this yeah. dude is, you know. And how was, many uh, women were probably throwing themselves, you know, this this hero. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah, 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 because, I mean, shoot, I, you know, and I mean, I'm a, you know, I wouldn't, but, I, you know, because I'm <laughs> a man, but, you know, I could see it. I mean, I could see how inspiring and yeah and he wasn't bad looking i mean like on a side note he wasn't bad looking at all <laughs> not in my opinion yeah yeah he was a handsome guy right oh, yeah. yeah but i mean he was i mean he was their cia tapes i mean we're, mm-hmm. an interesting yeah. book about king is by michael eric dyson called i may not get there with you and he names it after mm. king's last speech when king is speaking to the sanitation workers and again he has just started his four people campaign and it's almost that speech is so eerie because it's almost as if he knew he was getting assassinated not necessarily the next day but yeah that he was not going to see any of these things that he had fought for come to fruition and he you know um you know so he the michael eric dyson book kind of really gives this robust idea of king one that was completely different than the one i grew up with in public school yeah um even with even with coretta i don't learn the nuances of Coretta and all I didn't learn about her HIV AIDS activism mm-hmm. or her letting Audre Lorde speak in the anniversary of the March on Washington I don't learn about any of those things until I'm a, a grad student and I'm actually investigating it on my own so public schools in a lot of ways and even some undergrad classes do a disservice when we don't try and present you know three-dimensional pictures of these leaders you know because we can learn a lot from the things that they fought against and fought for, and if we knew more of a robust picture of who they were, you know, as opposed to trying to deify them and make them into some kind of angel or saint. Absolutely, absolutely. And when it comes to curriculum, when it comes to public school system and all that, do you think we'll see a change over time, or do you think that it'll be this constant thing where they don't actually expand these teachings? I mean, I think that it is getting more and more conservative as we go on. I mean, this, this now, this administration, and then even these, um, the legislation mm-hmm. and all those things happening in each state are becoming more and more conservative. More and more conservative. They're changing textbooks, you know, and most of the textbooks in public schools come from Texas. And True, yeah, and I'm from Texas, so. Ugh. Yeah, ugh. they're talking about enslavement in these textbooks like it was somehow indentured servitude yeah yeah and they and i've even read something in a texas history this is years ago i was in uh junior high but i literally read some anecdote by some person and like oh a lot of uh uh uh, house workers former slaves decided to stay because they were so endeared to their families Mm -hmm. and the first thing i think is you ever heard of stockholm syndrome okay (laughs) 
You know, right? Not to mention the fact that where are they going to go? Exactly. exactly. They have no right. money. They have no connections, right. no formal education. A lot of them can't read and write. What are they going to do? This is all they know. Exactly. Exactly. They're in, and for, you know, they're in the middle of nowhere. I mean, plantations are like, you know, 20 to 40 miles outside of a main town, a main mm-hmm. thoroughfare. You know, um, to where they could go even to a bus station or a train station. I mean, they're miles removed from any kind of metropolitan. So, like, you know, like, um, yeah, so the, these kind of lies, I feel like, you know, unfortunately are continuing now. But yeah. I do think that there, there has been um, the thing that makes me hopeful is, you know, ever since 45 got up in there. Mm. People have been resisting, resisting, resisting. I mean, yes, I yes. have felt this kind of, you know, uprising and usurgence in resisting and leaning toward the left of things. And so I do. I'm hopeful that things are going to be much different, you know. But right mm-hmm. now, they're trying to do this. Let's not, you know, educate folk. Let's not give them the real version of yep. things. Let's make up, you know, historical facts and all types of stuff. Uh, yeah, and let's make up the current facts. Let's make up everything. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yep. And, I mean, even the fake news and all this kind of rhetoric that's happening. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, my God. And I believe that this whole thing is – I I hope that – because it's so just – I mean, we see – like you said, we see so much resistance and everything that I really hope that in its next coming election that we – more people get out to vote, vote more, yes, definitely, you know, definitely. democratic because that's – <laughs> I mean, this—that's what we need. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For progress yeah, I mean, and change. We need it. I mean, we need it, and we and we and local too. Absolutely. And get 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 in um, involved with these judge elections too, right? So. Mm. Oh, not absolutely. Just the presidential, but local local politics are so important, and in a lot of ways, they relate more so to mm-hmm. people's everyday life. You know. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. The way I see it, the smaller offices affect your life more directly, mm. you know, and then the bigger offices, until you get to the presidency, you know, affect your life less and less, and then the president, you know, affects you more. <laughs> exactly. So. Exactly. <laughs> very true. Yes. Uh, well, uh, Dr. Story, uh, we hit our time mark. I want to thank you again so yeah, much for taking your time so to much. talk to us. We know you're super busy. Yes. Oh, no, I really, really enjoyed myself. Thank you so much for reaching out, and I really had a good time. Of course. Thank oh, you. Thank you. Um, I'm, once again, I'm Ian. And I'm Jay. <laughs> and, oh, I can't wait. I can't wait to tell Jay uh, and to talk about uh, my experience with y'all. Oh, yeah. So hopefully we'll be – yeah, the, this coming episode we say we'll give y'all a shout-out, Ian and Jay. Okay, yes. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank, thank you, you so much. much. Yep. <laughs> awesome. Have a great have a great weekend and a great rest of your day. You too. You too. Bye. All right. Take care. Bye. All right. So that was our interview. Yes. Very, very informative. Very awesome. Yeah. And that was Dr. Kyla's story. We were very excited to talk to her. That opportunity was amazing. I love, I love that podcast. Yes. I mean, you turned me on to it and it was very like, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. And they're funny. Absolutely. Yeah. They're funny together. Yeah. And their guests are super hilarious and yeah. But yeah, yeah, I'm really happy you were able to kind of get that interview and she Mm -hmm. had time out of her day and took that time to... Talk yeah, with us. Yeah, we really appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, so thank you, uh, doctor. We really, doctor, we really <laughs> appreciate it. Your grace, your, ma- your majesty, doctor. <laughs> R period. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, but yeah, 
That's amazing. Any uh, any other closing notes uh, uh, for the history? For the history. You know, what did you what did you take away from the interview? I guess I guess I took away. I mean, I took away from a lot of things. I think a big part of it was just how people are so like black people throughout history are so not at Even all looked, looked at in yeah. classes. And I think that's what I was so happy to have the opportunity to talk to her about was just about these curriculum and then maybe if it can change one day and have more yeah. <laughs> instead of like the you know like we talked about in the interview instead of like the main people like we can get into other because like it significant needs to, it needs people to change absolutely not, not necessarily just forget the the people that are focused on that we're focused on now that they didn't do great work because they did but also there's so many more it yeah. seems like we like even you and I with all of our research on these new subjects like that's barely even scratched the surface exactly so I mean. There's a lot more out yeah. there that we can learn. Absolutely. But I'm yeah. definitely going to look up some Audre Lorde poems. I like poetry. I've yeah. gotten more into it as I've gotten a little bit older. I didn't really care You're, for it or understand really? the purpose of it. I mean, it's that's cool. It's clever. But it's now like, that you're a little yeah. older, it's just like... like that's That was something that was like cool in the 1600s, <laughs> you know, I thought. But like I've come to appreciate it a lot more. Absolutely. So, you know, and I want to read some of that. So Yeah. But yeah, I'm very, I'm very excited. We yes. got our first interview. Our first so interview. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, let us know what you think. Yes. Uh, we, so, I will, we will, uh, we always leave a, a, a link. link to our email account. So send us an email if you want. Let us know what you think. Please, please uh, rate us rate, on iTunes. You, subscribe. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tell your we friends. We have, we have all the social media accounts. Yeah. <laughs> we have Instagram, 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 Facebook, yeah. and Twitter. I think those and are the essentials. The Twitter. And the Twitter, yes. <laughs> Follow us on Twitter. <laughs> so, yeah, that's. Well, I guess we'll talk to you next week, guys. Yeah. See you. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>